Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Bruski and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action and welcome to another week from Wisconsin. Robert Craig is traveling in Las Vegas. We'll have him on a little bit later, but Rebecca Lynch is back from her vacation. Rebecca, good to see you. Good to be back. Hi, Matt. Well, Rebecca, we're going we're gonna to start the show by asking you about how your vacation was <laughs> because... We think this is actually uh, really important. Uh, a lot of folks are pretty exhausted. You've gone through um, a long election season, and we're already in preparing to try to govern with our new governor, and so that's also tiring. But folks need to recharge their battery. We are hoping that a lot of you took time off over Thanksgiving to get away from uh, all, all of your work and your troubles and actually spend some time. So, Rebecca, you actually went on a legit vacation. You left Milwaukee. I did. Where'd you go? Uh, I went to Las Vegas. Oh, <laughs> that's where Robert is now. We look forward to hearing how it's holding up after your trip. <laughs> Why did you go to Vegas? Uh, I wanted to go somewhere warm, yeah. and I wanted to go somewhere where I could just relax. Like, I wasn't I didn't feel able to travel like in a, you know, heavy, like traveling way after yes. the election. So sat by the pool. I like gambled a little bit. Did you win money? I lost a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> There's like a Game of Thrones slot machine that got a lot of my money. Yeah. <laughs> For people who don't know, Rebecca, during the end of the campaign, was probably one of the most exhausted human beings I'd ever seen. She, uh, working families obviously did a tremendous amount in this election, but, um, Rebecca has sort of spearheaded a lot of that work, and um, I don't know the last uh, the last uh, weekend before I left, she was uh, definitely <laughs> exhausted. So I'm really glad that you had some time to get away. I hope you're taking more over. I do need more. <laughs> I really need more. I don't know. It's tough because we, you know, um, for folks who know our state director Marina Dmitrievich, um, also a county board supervisor in Milwaukee, she is going on parental leave. So tomorrow is her last day. And we have the spring elections coming up. So I don't know if I'm going to get that much vacation, but hopefully it'll be a little bit quieter around So Christmas. listeners, yeah. if you see Rebecca, you know, please congratulate her for, for all the great work she did. But um, it, these jobs are extraordinarily hard and uh, they can grind you down sometimes. So we're always trying to find balance. So we want to encourage people. This show used to have, uh, my favorite segment was what we called the weekend furlough, which was where I forced Robert to essentially talk about what he was going to do <laughs> when he wasn't working, um, just to try to remind people that it is really important uh, to get out and not just always <laughs> always be working. Uh, you do need you do need time to uh, recharge the battery. Uh, when I was in SEIU, uh, the members used to talk about bread and roses, right? It, you, you need the money, right? But you also need a little roses. You need a little entertainment. You need a little culture, a little bit of fun in your life. Otherwise, it, it just doesn't work. So so did you take any time off? I did. Oh, that's a, that's a great question. <laughs> I did. I actually took four days off. I was off Thanksgiving, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I did not check my emails until Sunday. <laughs> and um, it was very nice. Got to spend time with uh, family, including uh, my wife's family. There were over 80 people uh, for Thanksgiving oh dinner at one of her in-laws, uh, relatives, I should say. And so that was, um, it was nice. It, it, I, like you, still need the week that's coming after uh, the Christmas holiday. So yeah. I usually take a week off. But um, so great. Well, I'm glad we had this time. <laughs> and well, welcome back. And uh, have you heard about the lame duck? 
I have heard about the lame duck. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. So we're gonna we're gonna spend some time today talking about the lame duck. Uh, and again, this is the session that the Republican legislative leaders, uh, that would be Senator Fitzgerald and Robin Voss, have called. We, as of the recording Thursday morning, uh, they are definitely going to have a special session and. We don't know all the details. Uh, we did hear, we believe that um, we could be seeing the particular bills that they'll be moving as early as Friday. So most of you listen to this Friday. Um, you check the news. Uh, we'll certainly try to post any information on our Facebook page as it comes out. But um, we're hoping to hopefully by Friday start to see the bills that are going to come out. Um, rumor is that they will move them Monday in um, joint finance and vote on Tuesday. So there's our democracy for you. Um, it's, that's the best legislative process you could have, right? Uh, bills out on Friday, <laughs> votes uh, within a few days. So uh, for folks who don't know, when you call a special session like this, the normal rules are kind of off. So the idea that you have to notice uh, hearings, all the normal procedures, a lot of those are, are gone. So they can move very swiftly like this. And this is fairly similar to what we saw in Act 10, right? This is um, not something we haven't seen here. Yeah. And not something we haven't seen in other parts of the country too, yeah. um, you know, trying to change the rules of the game. You know, after after Republicans lose, I think we saw it in was it uh, North Carolina? That's right, North Carolina. They did similar things after the 2016 election. So, uh, as best we know, um, some of the key things that they want to do in the lame duck are, well, number one, they want to restrict some of the uh, governor's powers. Um, we have a very strong governor. Um, it is worth pointing out, uh, one of the strongest things that our governor has is a line item veto. That is not something that they can go after. So, uh, that's important to understand. Um, but one of the big things that our governor does have a lot of power is there's a lot of committees um, and in, in a number of key areas, including right oversight of Foxconn, things like that, WEDEC, education boards. They're looking to restrict his ability to point folks, we believe, on a lot of these boards or increase the amount of appointments that the legislature has to essentially uh, totally diminish uh, the power of uh, the governor's appointments. Uh, that's one of the key things that we've heard about. Um, we've also heard that they want to um, push or actually pass legislation to make work requirements for Badger Care Plus, um, something that isn't just something Tony can decide. Um, and as you know, we, our listeners know, we've been very much against uh, these work requirements. They're a horrendous idea. We actually think that they're they're probably not legal, but um, that is something that we're expecting. And uh, in addition, uh, the biggest thing that they want to do is change the presidential primary date in 2020. That's, again, not, ne not next spring, right, but the next year um, from the April spring election to a March date. This, this is unbelievably bad idea. So I don't know, Rebecca, if when you were gone, you heard about this or your thoughts on this idea, this classic Republican idea. Yeah, I, I definitely heard about it. Uh, I am particularly concerned about moving the date of the presidential primary. So, you know, listeners will know, but that aligns with our spring elections. And, you know, what we prefer, folks who care about making sure that we have democracy and people vote, is that there are 
less individual election dates so that more people are enfranchised and able to vote. And what we see every four years when the uh, spring elections align with the presidential primaries that we have more people coming out um, and participating in the democratic process. And so we feel that that's really important. Um, obviously, you know, the Republican strategy, not just in Wisconsin, but nationally, is to discourage voting and have less people vote, make it harder, put up barriers. And this would just be, you know, more of the same um, and really is, again, like changing the rules of the game in a way that's pretty outrageous. Yeah. And it's worth pointing out that the clerks across the county clerks, election clerks across the state are overwhelmingly against this. There's been a number of news articles, and we're not just talking about clerks in Democratic areas. Uh, Waukesha County clerk has had some of the strongest comments against this. I mean, just folks need to really, like, think this through. We have spring elections. The primary is in February. It's, it's the third Tuesday in February. They're then talking about a March presidential then first week of april the general that's like a six seven week seven week window maybe eight week window right six weeks seven somewhere in there window where we're gonna have three elections and it's a real question whether this could even be pulled off when you talk about how you have early voting periods absentee ballots there's a real question whether uh, overseas and military ballots could be handled and processed properly. Um, it goes without saying also that just the cost. This will cost uh, uh, a lot of, uh, it'll cost millions of dollars to implement an additional election. And it is, uh, shout out to Gordon Hintz who called out the Republicans uh, right away for the idea that just a year ago we were talking about how we couldn't have a special election in uh, SD1 because it costs too much money and we shouldn't do this. But now like money's uh, not an issue here. Yeah, it's it's pretty outrageous. I You know, I think that's something, you know, when you talk to folks about it, they seem the most incensed by. Um, and what really kind of uh, strikes me is that the whole justification for the special session has been Kimberly Clark, where it's completely disingenuous. They don't have the votes. They've admitted they don't have the votes. And so that's not the reason why they're doing the special session. But, you know, they're they're putting that out there as if it were. And it's really like, you know, disrespectful and like kind of like heartbreaking. Like we have a real issue in the Fox Valley. And rather than try to find workable solutions to help folks and working families out there, they are just pretending like they are as a fig leaf justification to then change this election date. Yeah. And Rebecca, it's really worth pointing out that they're not even close to the votes on Kimberly Clark. It's a horrendous bill. It's like a Foxconn-like bill for, for Kimberly Clark. And it's worth pointing out that it, a lot of Republicans, of course, are against this. I mean, and, and you had guys like Nigren trying to go after Dave Hansen and go after Democrats somehow saying that they should, you know, they should be ashamed for not supporting this when they don't even have the votes of other Republican senators. We're going to talk more about lame duck, other things. Uh, we got to take a break here at the Battleground Wisconsin. You're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin. We are Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. All right. Welcome back. Battleground Wisconsin. We are lucky to have with us now Robert Craig. He's as we said when we opened, he is in Las Vegas. We're at a conference. Robert, glad you could join us. Uh, good morning, everyone. It's very early here. So, Robert. Two hours earlier. Two hours earlier, yes. So, tell us, what are you doing in Vegas? Our National Network People's Action is having a whole bunch of meetings around health care, around power building for the 2020 elections, board meetings, etc. So, I'm here. Kevin Kane on our staff is here as well. 
Ah, well, that's great. You know, we were just debriefing um, Rebecca's Las Vegas trip. It was a little less uh, work-oriented. So, <laughs> <laughs> But hopefully you managed to get out for a little bit and maybe lose a little bit of money in the casinos. <laughs> so, Robert... Um, the sports books would be, but I haven't, I haven't done that yet. The sports books would be the only temptation there. <laughs> Got it. Awesome. So, Robert, we were talking a bit about Lame Duck, um, and basically... It, looks like we're going to uh, have bills be uh, put public tomorrow, possibly as early as tomorrow. Joint finance may be voting on them Monday and then going, <laughs> going for full votes as early as Tuesday. We'll see if they can hold that schedule, but we did. Th- there's rumors that that's what they may be looking to do. Um, and we do we discussed that they do not have the votes for Kimberly Clark, but a lot of the other things, including drug testing, or excuse me, uh, yeah, drug testing for uh, BadgerCare Plus recipients. And I wanted to get your thoughts on that because we've talked about this in the past, and this is obviously something they're going to try to push through to limit Evers' ability to make to remove the the testing requirements. Well, I haven't seen the drug testing because I don't think that even the Trump administration didn't approve that in the waiver. It's the work requirement. Oh, work requirement. Thank you. Thank you for making me not be politifacted, although I might be. And so, though I saw Gordon Hintz got a mostly true for a completely true statement, so (laughs) that's Dodds are stacked and politifact. But anyway, um, so there was this demonstration waiver that the Trump administration approved days before the election. That has a number of harmful things in it, like premiums for Badger Care recipients. These are very low-income folks who can, who bear, who you know, are trying to struggling to pay rent and get pay for food on the table every month. All of a sudden, having an unnecessary premium, and then also a work requirement that essentially says that you can only stay on Badger Care for 48 months unless you either are in some very poor job training program that doesn't help you very much, which is what the Walker administration offers you, or you or you are working over 30 hours a week, and um, with not taking account any, to any extent the fact that there are, are not jobs available for a lot of people, a lot of parts of this, of this state. Um, so the problem is, is that with this demonstration waiver, which would have been considered illegal, by all previous administrations, including the previous Bush administration, it's only been approved because of the Trump administration is so heedless on health care. Uh, the governor could walk away from it if it wasn't in statute. And so in Pennsylvania, that's what happened when a Democrat governor was elected and a Republican governor had gotten such a, a similar such language approved by the Trump administration. So they're going to try to force givers to do it in statute. It actually could be illegal. Just so everyone knows, there are a lot of legal experts who think that this is a violation of Medicaid law, and so there might be litigation. And, in fact, uh, I think our Attorney General, Josh Call, once he's in office, might have to get involved. So it's just another example, another example of a power grab where the voters have voted overwhelmingly to expand health care coverage and to guarantee health care to more people. That was very clear in all the exit polling in Wisconsin. Yet they're literally going to come back in session as a lame duck and have Governor Walker just been defeated fine more legislation, which is not about people working. It's about denying people health care and creating barriers, hoping that few, more and more Wisconsin families won't have access to health care. Yeah, and we want to remind our listeners, it's very, very important that you call your state senator 
starting with your state senator because the Senate is closer, right? And so all we need is a few to change their mind on this or any of these pieces of the lame duck. So we're encouraging you to call. There's a 1-800 number where if you call this, they can give you the number for your state senator and your state rep. It's one 800 Five six two six thousand. You can also go online. Uh, we'll have a link at the web page where you can get any contact info for your state senator, state rep. If you don't know, you can uh, look up and find it. But it's very important for folks to call your state senator on Friday and over the weekend before anyone gets a chance to vote on these bills. They need to hear from you, particularly if you're obviously in a Republican state Senate district. Very, very critical. Uh, there's a number of you know districts that'll be up in two years. We need to start putting pressure on those folks. So please uh, make those calls and, and contact uh, uh, your, your legislators. Um, Robert, wanted to, since I know you don't have full time with us, wanted to get your thoughts on Medicaid expansion. Um, yesterday, Governor Evers was here in Milwaukee at the 16th Street Clinic and continued to talk about how he is going to make Medicaid expansion a major priority. Says he's going to travel the state in Republican legislative districts and make this a big push. And um, also that he's going to use the healthcare industry to put pressure on Republicans uh, to make this happen, since um, we have obviously heard from leadership that they want to continue to oppose Medicaid expansion. Want to get your thoughts on, on this aspect of it. And then also, after we talk about this, there, um, the governor announced his healthcare transition team. And just any thoughts you might have about the state of where we are in terms of uh, the governor, uh, governor-elect on, on healthcare. Well, even though Governor Evers' background is in education, and very deep background in education, he was elected on health care as the first tier issue by far. I want to remind voters that in exit polling was the top issue by 22 points, and 67% of voters in Wisconsin exit polling want significant change in the health care system. So Medicaid expansion is such a no-brainer now that it passed in Idaho and Utah and Nebraska by referendum uh, in this last election. I Those mean, are some deep blue areas, Robert. Yeah. And so it looks like Voss in particular uh, want to dig in on this old kind of discredited Republican strategy that we're opposed to any aspect of the Affordable Care Act, and we will do as much damage as possible to the state. So the fact that roughly 80,000 people are being denied health coverage because of this and we're turning down a whole bunch of federal dollars that could also go to other priorities uh, like health care, like education, is amazing. It's a cost of the state so far, $1.1 billion and running, uh, done entirely for Governor Walker's political career. So just think of the crassness of that, uh, that literally it's about um, his political career is more important and their positioning more important than the health of the state, uh, both financially and, the, and actually the lives of people. Because if you deny health care, you're much more likely to die, quite frankly, uh, for, la- for lack of coverage. And so I think that this sets up as the main issue in the budget debate, because uh, Tony Evers is going to be able to tie Medicaid expansion not only to, to covering all these additional folks with federal money, but also freeing up a lot of state dollars for other priorities and a budget that will be very tight because Governor Walker was lying about the great fiscal health he had returned the state to during his election. 
And I was surprised to see some mainline pundits being uh, expressing shock that the state's fiscal situation was what it was. As if it wasn't clear that if you get rid of the revenue and give away the money, uh, and then you have election year increases in spending, like on education, that are temporary. What are you going to get? What are you going to get other than a huge structural deficit? So anyway, I think that Tony Evers is doing the right thing. He understands that Medicaid expansion is going to be at the heart of the whole budget debate, and he is right to uh, go on tour and to uh, point out because even Republican voters are for taking the money. So Robert, you know what can folks do? Um you know, if we care about this issue, obviously now, um, while we have, you know, a lame duck governor and then in the new year um, when Tony becomes governor, you know, how can how can folks engage around, you know, not just Medicaid expansion, but like health care generally, um, given the dynamics that you just described? We just have to keep people need to, to be visible and active on the issue. That's what made it the top election issue. And it's not just for what we could accomplish in Wisconsin. This is shaping up as the top issue in the 2020 presidential elections and therefore setting us up to make a real push to great uh, advances in health care well beyond the Affordable Care Act uh, if we elect a progressive president. So this debate is important in Wisconsin, but it's also important nationally. And so I think we just like we did in order to prevent uh, Trump and the Republicans from repealing the Affordable Care Act and taking health care away from 20 million people, we need to keep the pressure on these Republicans. They have chosen a path, a position that is so ideological. I mean, their position is basically that uh, ideologically that we can never actually solve the health care crisis and make health care affordable because they don't think it should be the role of government. And most Americans don't agree with them. So I think it isolates the right wing of the Republican Party in a way that's important politically, and it's also the way we're going to win this budget and pass. There needs to be a sense throughout this whole budget debate, which may go on for a long time next year, because there's no statutory requirement that they have to actually settle the budget. The budget can go on under previous terms after July 1st. We're just going to keep the pressure on, and I think it's okay that Tony Evers wants to uh, have the healthcare industry weigh in, but quite frankly, this has to be about average people as well, and there has to be visible uh, support for this and visible pressure on the Senate and the Assembly during this whole period. With that, we got to take a break here at the Battleground Wisconsin. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We are talking about healthcare. We're talking about Tony Evers' effort to push for Medicaid expansion. He announced uh, yesterday that he will be traveling the state and putting a lot of pressure on Republicans in their districts to expand uh, Medicaid. And so Robert was talking a bit about that before the break. I do want uh, to let our listeners know, if you want to get involved in the fight, the healthcare fight, it's going to be huge. Uh, please contact our new healthcare organizer, Karen Kirsch. We'll have her contact info on her website, but uh, it, it really want to encourage you to reach out to her if you want to get involved. We've had a uh, one of our committees in here that leads the healthcare for all work, uh, strategizing uh, what 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 2019 looks like this week and preparing. And so uh, you can join that team, get involved, and uh, help. Uh, push back and lead as we expand access to health care for folks. Um, Robert, since I know you only have one more segment with us, um, I do want to um, get any other thoughts you have 
uh, either related to the to the Medicaid expansion, uh, and also uh, it was announced uh, there was a healthcare transition team for Evers, and just want to get your thoughts on it. There's some really good people on there. Uh, yes, absolutely. So it is a new day, and so our good friend Candace Owley, who is uh, president of the Wisconsin Federation of Nurses and Health Professionals and the vice president of Citizen Action Board, uh, is on it, and so she's a very close ally. Has worked with us on every aspect of the health care fight that we have talked about during this, uh, during this election. In fact, her union is a partner in our Health Care for All organizing cooperative as well. So mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a joint venture between us and the nurses union. So having her there, obviously she would never have been had any voice in the Walker administration. So that tells you what a sea change this is. And then uh, Battleground Wisconsin listeners, of course, are familiar with Tanya Atkinson, who was an original... Uh, panelist on this on this program, and is the uh, is the head of Planned Parenthood. She is on there as well, and there are and so she's a close ally and friend of ours at Citizen Action. And then there are other excellent appointees as well. And I would point out Barbara Becker, who's very well known in the disability rights community in Milwaukee, is on, for example. So that would be someone we can really work with on long-term care and the, the the appalling wages that home care workers receive, which has created a workforce crisis. Uh, for people uh, with, with disabilities and for seniors. Yeah, uh, Candace was just in here uh, with the Healthcare uh, for All co-op team strategizing this week. So uh, it, that's a, it was an excellent appointment and someone who has uh, just so much knowledge on, on this issue. Uh, it, you're right, it's a total sea change in terms of how policy will be going. Um, one, one more thing, though, Robert, do want to remind folks, right, that while we want to expand Medicaid and we see that as critical, uh, we have bigger we, we have bigger aspirations and um, just give our listeners sort of badger care public option it's something that uh, we feel very strongly and we know we need to move to a much more public system expand access uh, similar to something much closer to Medicare for all your thoughts uh, before you head back to the to the conference on just sort of the state of play and how we make progress and push towards a more public system yeah so Medicaid expansion is a uh, is a huge start, obviously, and it's going to be at the center of this budget fight. Uh, but 67% of the public, Wisconsin voters and exit polls, want significant change in the health care system. And so Medicaid expansion is a great start, but it's not the, the whole. And so you mentioned badge care public option. So that is a way to open up badger care so that small businesses and individuals who don't have good insurance at work can buy into it at much less cost and a much more broader uh, provider network. That's something Tony Evers has pledged to do in his first term. It won't necessarily be in his budget, but we will be working to make sure that that happens as quickly as possible. There is a lot of policy around it, so uh, there's stuff to be worked out, and that's something that can be discussed with his transition team, and I'm sure Candace Alley uh, we'll be ha- having that discussion with our, and we'll be, you know, working with Candace on that. Uh, prescription drug regulation is going to be a major uh, initiative. Uh, it kind of flew under the radar screen, but Tony Evers made very solid proposals on that, um, including a review board on prices and transparency, and that's something where there is just straight-out price gouging going on. Companies uh, funded by Wall Street and pushed by them are charging 
astronomical amounts for, th for drugs that we paid for to create with public money and which uh, cost them very little to produce using their monopoly uh, status on a number of drugs in an extremely exploitive way that is very damaging to people who need these drugs for, for serious diseases and for chronic disease management. And so that's a huge, hot public issue. It'll have to be through legislation, most likely, though he can try to do it through the budget as well. But I think it'll be. A, I think the Republicans will go inside with the pharmaceutical industry. Another thing that people don't necessarily focus on that much is, is that most people don't aren't aware that the Affordable Care Act has an ability not only to go up uh, to the Medicaid expansion level, which is uh, the bizarrely technical 133 percent of the federal poverty level. They can go all the way up to 200 percent of the federal poverty level with something called a basic plan. It's an option, the Affordable Care Act. Minnesota did it. New York and California did it. That is another way uh, that uh, Governor Evers could greatly expand access to more affordable health care. So it would be like a Badger Care-like plan that would be on top of Badger Care for the working poor, for people who, make, who are above the poverty line but still have tremendous problems affording health care, especially because... Uh, low-wage uh, low service sector jobs are unlikely to have health care benefits. We have a very uh, unequal health care system as far as the employer-based system where middle-class and upper-middle-class employees all have good health care benefits in general, and low-income workers, the ones Walker wants to dump upon, actually don't get good health care benefits at work. Very few of them do. So, Robert, before you go, give us... Uh one 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 thing we ought to be keeping an eye on nationally that you're hearing or that you'll be talking about this week in Las Vegas about healthcare nationally and um, you know what you what you see happening after uh, this recent round of elections. So there's going to be major push in the House now that the Democrat House for uh, Medicare for all and for at least getting a vote on it. And so there are a lot of sponsors and co-sponsors, but this sets up a situation where we're much more likely to take bold action, move boldly in the direction of Medicare for all, and it will affect how candidates run for president, Democratic primary, and what the Democratic platform is. And so, by the way, just so folks know, in our state, if you're looking, if you're game, if you're game planning, the House, Mark Pocan and Gwen Moore are both co-sponsors of the Medicare for all bill. And Pramila Jayapal is now going to be the lead sponsor now that John Conyers has left office. And she is out of our, our network. She was, a, she was a, the director of a People's Action affiliate in Washington State. And so she's a very talented congresswoman. She was on this show last year we, when we broadcast live from the People's Action Convention. Uh, but Pocan and Moore are both co-sponsors, and they are also part of what the Medicare for All caucus. There's a caucus of people who support going to Medicare for All. Ron Kind is not a co-sponsor and is not part of that caucus, so we might want to try to encourage uh, Ron, who's good on health care issues, to be bolder on health care. Uh, so that's one thing. The other thing is, is that I can guarantee you, based on discussions here, that major reforms on prescription drugs and going after pricing is going to go through the House, that there, it will pass next year. A variety of bills are being developed, and then, the, then there'll be a nice, nice little fight because it's so popular to do that. That's going to put the U.S. Senate in the crosshairs, and uh, really it's a problem for Mitch McConnell because it's something that uh, a number of his members are up for re-election in 2020 could be greatly damaged by if they vote no. And Trump claims he wants to do something on prescription drugs, so it'll be interesting. Good, goodness knows what Trump will tweet out uh, if we have a major fight, if we pass major uh, reform legislation in the House. 
and the Senate is holding it up, and Trump claims he's going to deal with Egyptian drug prices and has not. So again, folks, we need you to get involved in our health care organizing committee. So if you are interested in not only what you've heard about what we're going to be doing at the state level, but also plenty of stuff happening now at the federal level, uh, again, it sounds like you ought to contact Ron Kine, but uh, reach out to Karen Kirsch here at Citizen Action. That's K-A-R-E-N dot K-I-R-S-C-H at citizenactionwi.org. If you're interested in getting involved, more involved in our uh, healthcare work and joining our organizing cooperative. Robert, we hope you have a great time out in Vegas and uh, prepare us for 2019 and all that we need to do, but really appreciate you taking the time uh from uh, the conference to talk with us today. Okay, thank you. All right, safe travels. With that, we are going to bring this section to a close. We have to go to a break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin with Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. So, Rebecca, while you were gone, Amazon was all over the news, and we want to spend a little bit of time talking about the money that was that a number of communities gave to Amazon in order to get them to locate, including your hometown of New York City, um, and compare that to Foxconn. Uh, first of all, just want to get your thoughts. I know you have a lot you'd like to say about this. I, I have a little I'd <laughs> like to say. I mean, you know, I think um, this is just another indicator of how whack our politics are. And I think uh, this is an enormous transfer of wealth is very similar to the Foxconn deal. Uh, It is not the way to do smart economic development, but it's also not the way to be a good steward of public goods and people's money. And so, you know, folks are pretty horrified um, in Virginia and in New York and, um, you know, I'm from New York. I'm also from Queens, and it's going to be located in Queens. Um, and it's being touted as a positive thing that it's going to be right next to the largest public housing development in the country. Now, the jobs that are being created by Amazon are much higher wage jobs than what we're talking about at Foxconn. Um, and and probably um, very unlikely that folks um, from, you know, public housing are going to have access to those, like, very high-tech jobs. I guess there will be some ancillary jobs created by that. But generally, this is a trend that we're seeing, and it's why primaries are also so important, because these are Democrats who are offering these subsidies. And so, you know, one of the things that... um, I th- well, first, just another quick news that came out about Foxconn is just, you know, uh, in terms of the global markets, iPhone demand is down. And so that has a real local impact for us, in particular, um, you know, an impact on what this Foxconn factory is going to look like in the Racine area. It seems like plans are being scaled down for it. They insist there's going to be the same level of investment. But, you know, demand is down. They're going to change the type of product that would be made there. And, you know, I really kind of believe it when I see it. You know, we've seen from Foxconn over and over again throughout the country and throughout the world where they promise the sun, moon, and the stars to places like out in Pennsylvania, and then they pull back. So I don't know what's going to happen with that. I'm not an economist, but it's really troubling news over the holiday. And then, you know, again, um, with Amazon, just like this enormous transfer of wealth. And so it kind of brings me um, a little bit to, you know, what's happening now electorally where these local races are so important. Like, it is so thrilling that we won the governor's race. It's a really big deal. You know, were we to have had uh, Tony Evers as governor rather than Scott Walker, we would not have had this 
absolutely outrageous deal um, take place in the first place. But while Tony is there, and as we mentioned in prior segments, um, being governor of Wisconsin is a powerful position. It's also critically important that we have good people at the local level. And it's not enough to say that someone is a Democrat, um, because what we're seeing again throughout the country and, and for a long time are corporate Democrats who um, ascribe to this like Wall Street ideology of giving you know, huge tax breaks and huge subsidies to the tune of billions of dollars to these multi-billion dollar companies um, without any assurance. What I mean, full stop, that is outrageous. Mm -hmm. Like that money should be going, as we've said with Foxconn, to our schools, to our university system, to, um, you know, building infrastructure that like throughout the state, through all kinds of things. Um, so full stop, that's terrible. Yeah. yeah just right there. Think about that. We're giving boatloads of money to Foxconn as our students in this state, as they try to go, say you graduate from high school and you want to go to uh, a two-year college, you want to go to a tech school, you want to go to a four-year college, we're asking those students to take on tremendous amounts of debt in order to just go get an education that is now absolutely required in order to like succeed in this economy. I'm not saying everybody's got to go to college, but you heard me say tech school, two-year, right? All the kinds of degrees that folks might get beyond high school that are absolutely fundamental to, 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 to making it go and work for a person. And we don't give them free college, right? That would be a much wiser investment, investing in people, investing in the people of the state. Uh, we're giving the money away to Foxconn at just obscene amounts. It's definitely over $4 billion. And I want to get, I'm just, just going to bring this back to lame duck and why I want to encourage you all to call your state senator again. One of the things that we may be seeing on Friday is that they're going to loosen the regulations in favor of Foxconn. They would like to potentially make it harder for Evers to hold them accountable. This could include doing things on WEDEC where they weaken his power on WEDEC. Um, so it is very, very important that you uh, contact your state senator um, and let them know you're in opposition to the whole lame duck. But feel free to talk specifically about Foxconn or the primary dates or any of the particular issues. But it's very important that they hear from you that you do not support this. Um, so, so with that, though, um, I don't, Rebecca, did you have anything else you wanted to mention about Foxconn specifically? Otherwise, I do want to talk a little bit about what happened in Eau Claire yeah, last night. Yeah, let's talk about Eau Claire. So we don't often dive into local politics, but Eau Claire is a special place. Um, we have an organizing co-op there. We're obviously very excited about uh, the organizer there, Jeff Smith, who just got elected to the state Senate. Um, we are actually in a hiring process for our organizer in western Wisconsin. Um, but one of our really awesome members there is Andrew Worthman, and he is the um, acting uh, president of the Common Council. And Andrew helped lead a push to make marijuana fines $1 in Eau Claire. And this is a big deal, right? We, we just know that this is the tip of the iceberg of mass incarceration, right? Arresting people for things like marijuana. And so we want to shout out to Andrew and to all the leaders in Eau Claire for having that bold vision to actually lead on this. And, you know, they, may, they don't have the power, obviously, to make it legal 
but this is a way to fundamentally, radically change the way it will be policed in Eau Claire, um, which, you know, that's the kind of leadership we need to see at the local level. And so we wanted to make sure that the good folks of Eau Claire um, and the leaders there, there's a number of other things actually that they also passed last night. Um, so if you haven't had a chance, uh, go go read the news on uh uh, we'll have a link to it on all the number of things that uh, happened in Eau Claire. Yeah, it's really exciting. And I think, um, you know, again, you know, just like we were talking about with um, corporate subsidies and Foxconn and Amazon, um, where local, it's important to have people on the local level and not just perhaps Democrats or people who are like on the left, um, but like people who believe in protecting the public good to stop bad things. We also need that for good things as well. And, you know, Governor-elect Evers is not going to be able to do everything alone. And so we need to make sure that there are people on the local level, just like Andrew and Eau Claire, who are, um, you know, do laying the foundation for us to, on all levels of government, move in a better direction. So it's really exciting. Yeah, and, and people like Fabi, right, and Kenosha, right? And, and also... Let's give a shout out to all the good folks at Normal and all the groups that have worked tirely. Eric Marsh, who's on our steering committee of our co-op, um, and put these referendums on the ballot all over the state. It is driving the conversation. Obviously, this is a national argument, um, but it is something where the local leaders are showing the way. Um, and again, n next spring is a whole batch of local elections. A number of you will have county boards and uh uh, city councils, uh, school boards. Uh, we're going to have the su uh, state Supreme Court uh, preview next week. We're hoping to have Judge uh, Lisa Neibauer come on and talk a little bit about her campaign. Um, and also in local elections, we're hoping to have uh, another one of our co-op members who is running for mayor of Green Bay, Eric Genrich. He's also the lead sponsor, along with Latanya Johnson, of the Badger Care Public Option that Robert talked about before. So it's a perfect example of a really awesome progressive leader who has an opportunity to potentially become the mayor of Green Bay. We have not had a, a progressive or Democrat, however you want to slice it uh, as the mayor of Green Bay in a long time. And Eric has uh, got a great chance to potentially do that. So we'll hopefully have Eric on next week. Um, one other piece of news, spring election related, I just want to get Rebecca's comment before we go. Milwaukee mayor. <laughs> we have another candidate, a, a pr someone who at all it would appear would be at some level a serious candidate. Uh, Tony Zielinski's already announced, but uh, Common Council President Ashanti Hamilton announced yesterday that he will be running for mayor. And uh, still no word uh, from uh, Mayor Barrett, but everyone expects that he'll be running. So uh, there could be a, uh, a very big mayor's race. That would be 2020 here. Any of your thoughts, Rebecca, on that? I think that 2020 is going to be a very big year for Milwaukee generally. We have the Common Council up, the County Board, the County Executive, and the Mayor. Um, I think right now there's, you know, a, what is assumed to be a field of three people so far running, right? All men. Um, Tony Zielinski and Ashanti Hamilton have filed. We, As you said, we assume Tom Barrett's going to run for re-election. So, you know, we have a ways to go. It'll be interesting to see. Um, I'm also really interested to see who runs for Alder out here. Um but uh, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a very big year for Milwaukee, and I think what we need to do 
uh, on the left is really, you know, focus on some of the issues that we would like our city, our city to be focused on so that when these candidates are coming to ask for our vote, they have to respond specifically to those issues. Yeah, we need to broaden it. This, this cannot be about trash and tax rates, right? We got to broaden that dialogue. And so, folks, get involved. Join the Wisconsin Working Families Party. Join Citizen Action. We got a lot of work ahead of us, but we are on the march and you need to be a part of it. With that, though, we want to thank our producer, Brian Wildridge, who makes the podcast, this radio show, happen every week. Again, we want to remind folks you can listen to us on Sunday afternoons at 1510 here in Milwaukee. Uh, but with that, we want to also thank Robert Craig, who joined us from Las Vegas. And we will see you next week here at the Battleground, Wisconsin.